Hello, and welcome to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. We believe all women lawyers deserve to be wealthy women lawyers. Our mission is to provide thought-provoking, powerful, and practical information to help you in creating your own sustainable, wealth-generating law firm without overwork or overwhelm so you can live your best life. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm so excited for you to meet our guest today. So let's get started. Hi, and welcome to Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. I'm so excited you're here today, and I'm really excited to have uh, uh, a local uh, Orlando attorney in here in sunny Florida with me. She's not at the moment, but she lives in sunny Florida near me, and I'm really glad to have her here today. She is the founder and CEO of Anderson Law Firm, Nikoisha Anderson. Welcome, Nikoisha. I've been wanting to have you on my show for so long. Thanks for being here. Oh, that is such a delight to hear. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm going to give you good podcasts because I'm, I'm not going to let you down. I promise. Uh, I did not worry about that at all. You and I are fellow schmillies, I think, in Rachel we, Rogers. Yes, we are yeah, fellow schmillies. We, yes, we are on track to make us, well, some of us make more millions. <laughs> you know, I, well, what, we we want to make as many millions as Rachel Rogers makes. That's what we want to do. <laughs> well, honey, we got to have some conferences and I'll go buy a ranch. <laughs> I know, I know, right? But I'm glad to have you on. I want you to tell people uh, about your law firm and when you started it, what you do, who you serve, that kind of thing, just to okay. get started. No worries. So Anderson Law Firm was founded in 2013, um, right after I took the bar. I went directly into private practice. Um, I also worked alongside of my mentor in his practice for about a year and a half, two years. I had just had my little one. So it worked out really, really great for uh, Mm -hmm. a a young mom and a new lawyer and the hours and the flexibility. But it, it became a time where I needed to secure better benefits for me and my family. And so I went back into government and I worked in government for almost six years of serving in a public interest sector. Um, But then I reactivated my practice as of May of 2021. And I serve um, women, primarily entrepreneurs um, in protecting their income producing ideas to make sure they are not robbed of their intellectual property. So my core areas of practice are business law and intellectual property matters. And I also have an arm of business advisory services in case we need to get out of the trenches. You know, some people are in business and they are in the trenches, but they need someone to get in there with them to get them out. So, and I think I pride myself on doing that since I've been introduced to business at an early age. My my parents and my dad started a business when I was around 13, 14, and he got a great lucrative contract with the Orange Home Improvement Store. And that went well until it didn't. And then um, that was one of the influential Um, I'd say memories that kind of spawned me to go to law school because I didn't want other businesses to be like my dad. Um, African-American business owners tend to run into some hardships a lot more as it relates to capital and support and all those things. But they also run into issues of things getting taken from them and not having the resources to fight. So that is one of the key things about my, my firm. I want all my clients to feel seen, supported, and empowered. And that can be a plethora of things, including education and empowering them with tools to fight. I love that. I was going to ask you what 
inspired you to become an attorney. I can see how that would have been a very pivotal moment for you as a child to see that. And, and how did you connect that to sort of being a lawyer? Because as a child, I, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would think to myself, uh, you know, that being a lawyer would be the, did you see that person solve the problem or did you know, or were you just aware that he couldn't afford a lawyer or, or what was the, the connecting. So it's so funny you say about seeing someone. So um, when I w- ventured off to go to college, I was completely a computer geek. I'm still a, a tech geek. So I was on the data route. I was going to be a data scientist. You can tell me anything different. But one day my dad came up to me and he says, well, he called me Duke. That was my nickname. He didn't call me anything else from the day I was born, but Duke and nobody else can call me that. So please don't. Um, uh, and my, uh, he said, well, Duke, I don't know what a data scientist is, what what they do. And I said, dad, well, you know, I analyze data and I can figure out patterns and, and all these other things with the computer and other, well, I don't really know what that is. You don't want to be no lawyer, no doctor, you know, daddy think you should be a lawyer. Well, what you think about that? And so I, um, I said, okay, dad. So I took a computers and the law class in college and it sparked something in me. And it made me think about what happened with my dad and how I lit up when I got into class. Like it was the easiest A I ever got. And mm-hmm. so I went back and I told my dad, I said, dad, I think, I think I'm going to do more things with the law. And my dad lit up. Like I had never seen my dad light up the way he did. And I always, that's such a core memory for me. And I always wanted to keep that. That was my motivation to see him light up. And so um, when I applied to go to law school, I was not uh, the most, I wasn't the greatest test taker. I suffered dearly when you put me in confined settings and time and it's just mm-hmm. the test anxiety just didn't work out for me. So it took me multiple iterations to actually get into law school. But every time I tried, my dad was right there behind me. You could do it, Duke. It's fine. We'll get it the next time. We'll get it the next time. It took me three mm-hmm. times. It took me three yeah. times to get in. And I finally got in. And the rest, they say, is history. And then he got to see me uh, walk across that stage. And it was a great day. I know you lost him recently and uh, how yes. difficult that must have been for you. I'm so, my deepest condolences for that. Thank I you. I appreciate hearing. Uh, I feel like I know much more about him now, the short story that you just shared. I appreciate that. Yes. How it is to have, have a parent who's so, uh, such a cheerleader and an influencer in your life. It sounds like he was really influential in your life. Oh, I was, I was such a daddy's girl. I was, I'm my only child and I'm a girl. So you do the math. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> you it were his princess. Oh, I would. Yeah. He, yes. We were very close and um, I'm so grateful for the time and the memories and the influential um, things that he shared with me, taught me that they, they are with me right now. Right, right. I'm so glad you shared. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so tell me about your law practice today and why I know that you're sort of motivation to help business owners, but give me a bigger picture of what that is like and how you do differently than, than other people that you might that might practice in those areas. 
Oh, that's such a great question. That is such an awesome question. So my firm is virtual. And so dealing with intellectual property is federal law. So that gives me some boundary limit, you know, not as many boundary limitations um, because it's um, federal law based. Uh, But having a virtual law firm, I tell people is one of the greatest things that you can do. It's going to be a lot of work in the beginning. Don't let don't let me paint a rosy picture because you have to give a you have to start with what is my client experience going to be like from the time they learn of me? And they're not even a client at this point. They're just a potential client. What is their experience going to be like when they learn of me? And what is their experience going to be like once I conclude the matter that they hire me for? And that's going to require you to have a lot of tech tools. And this is where my dual side of being a techie and now right. being in the, in, the, in the legal world is paying off for me because I was able to say, okay, logically, if this, then that, if this, then that, right. if they if they find me here, then I want this to happen. If they find me this way, then I want that to happen. So uh, practicing law in a virtual setting right now includes capturing data. A lot of the work that the uh, data intake and manipulating that data, the client does for me. I don't do a lot of that. I tell people my onboarding process takes less than two minutes. Two minutes, takes less than two minutes. Yeah. How, how is that possible? Well, I have a tech tool. I use, I don't use the normal um, uh, legal management software. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't use the legal management software. I don't use those. I use one called Dubsado. I'm sure you've heard of it. And it's right. a customized um, software tool where you can use it. Uh, a lot of people don't like it because it's a very overwhelming in the beginning because you have to build out a lot. Well, pretty much all of it. It's literally a shell and you have to build it out. But I like that because I can customize it the way I want. And I think as lawyers, we have to think about our client and potential client experience from the moment they learn of us. And I think some practitioners are missing out on that. They have the, well, I'm the lawyer and this is what, no, think about what you want to experience. I did in my news, I sent out a weekly newsletter on Tuesdays. And one of the um, recent newsletters I did was talking about ease ease? Are you making it easy for people to work with you? I know I get anxiety when I get, when I need to work with a professional and they send me their onboarding. And it's like this long intake form with all these boxes, Davina. And I'm like, it's overwhelming. And I feel like some of those questions, you asking me the same thing, just in a different way, thinking I'm going to say something different. And oftentimes be like, copy, paste, copy, paste. And then I can't even save the form if I need to walk away. So if I need to walk away, yeah. I got to start all over again. Right. Yes. Don't you just hate that? And just imagine just that happened recently. I was, I was uh, interested in some services and I completed the intake form and then I got to the end and I was going to schedule the appointment and I, and I got fat fingered it and it went away. So I had to go in and I had to create the whole intake form all over again. And then after I became a client, then they were asking me quite the same questions, a little different way all over again. And I was like, oh my God, how many times do I have to fill this out? It was so annoying. It was from their end, I can see where they had all this wonderful data that they could, you know, make decisions on and help and all that kind of stuff. But from, from my end, it, you know, like if I if I hadn't really wanted the thing, 
I would not have persisted. And I just kept like, and unlike you, I'm not a techie person. I okay. love tech tools, but I married my techie person. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he Smart. has to be very patient with me when it comes to technology, because I'm very impatient when things don't work the way that I expect them to work, you know? So yes. I can understand that, but that it has been a huge advantage. It wasn't even something that you could do. When I started my firm in 2007, it wasn't even something you could do, use these sorts of tools and everything. They weren't even available and around. So I see that as such a huge advantage for young lawyers now, lawyers starting out building their businesses to be able to build these virtual firms. And also, I started a virtual firm in 2013, but it was email, telephone. It wasn't the tools that we have now. So it's wonderful when you have that mindset already and I have that comfort level yes. to be able to, to set that up. Um, what advice would you have for somebody who doesn't have that comfort level but would like to take advantage of it? The one thing that I, the one thing I would share with someone who's a little tech shy or uh, tech anxiety or something is to write down what the client experience is from the moment they learn of you to the moment they leave you. What does that mean, Nicrosia? That means if a person finds me on the website, what's going to happen? And literally write it down. Because then when you go and find the expert that can help you implement, you already have the workflow written down. They just have to translate what you wrote in plain English in the if, then, this, that. If then yeah. this, that. And that will make it so much easier because you know the client experience you want to have. You know what you want to do. And so with that in mind, for instance, if you find me on my website and you want to book a consult, they're going to click something or be directed to either call my firm or fill out a form. Okay, when they get greeted with the form, this is what I need to know right away. And, you know, I always tell people when we do consultations, I don't necessarily want to. I do paid consultations. I don't do anything free. As of October 12, 2021, that is no longer an option because <laughs> yay. <laughs> yay, I had five consultations that day, five. And I was so excited. And, and I was like, I'm going to close at least two of these. I just need to close at least two, right? I closed zero and I felt so defeated. And I was like, I spent all this time. I have stuff in my pipeline that I need to be working on. Cause at that time I hadn't built out majority of my team. I had a contract attorney to help me sometimes, but I didn't have um, the team that I have now, which has been a lifesaver. So one, another key advice that I would give to practitioners is build out your team as soon as you can. Do not wait because the longer you wait, you're, you're the bottleneck in the growth of your business. You are Absolutely. the bottleneck Absolutely. in the growth Preach. of your business. Absolutely. <laughs> and once I discovered that other people can do certain things for me, as long as I give them the criteria for how I want it done, and also give them grace because no one is going to do it exactly the way that I do it. So if I have to make a few minor tweaks, I can overlook that because I didn't have to start the whole process. And I think yeah. as lawyers, we have this uh, inability to let go. And we have this mindset that only I can do it because I'm the lawyer. Well, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to fail. And it's going to be a it's going to be a learning lesson for you because there there is nothing in failure that you can't 
achieve. You will learn something or you you gain something anew. I love failure because I learn best when I fail. So like that day, I failed with those five consoles. And what did I do? Went right in my system. I used Calendly uh, for my online booking. I know there's Acuity and um, other softwares, but I like Calendly. And I, I made it paid. So you can't even secure time on my calendar unless you run that credit card or debit card or whatever. Okay. I'm not moving. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love that. I think that's such uh, wisdom. There's so many things that you said there that are very wise. Um, the part about, you know, obviously I'm a big advocate of people building out their team and the sooner the better and all that, because you're going to, you're going to create more impact and you're going to make more money. And you're going to have more ease, like what we've mm-hmm. talked about. But you said something I thought was really important, and I want to make sure that people hear it, and that is giving people grace. And I think that's one of the most challenging things for high-achieving women who are so driven. We worked our butts off to get where we are. And yes. part of our training is reinforces our already probably already personality traits of controlling details, controlling all the details, controlling everything. Uh And it can be very hard when you first start hiring. And one of the mistakes I've seen a lot of women law firm owners make with hiring is that they, it's the training piece. They, for and the mentoring piece and the leadership piece, they forget when they hire somebody and that person makes a mistake, they get really upset that this person has made a mistake yeah. And they, instead of looking at themselves and saying, where did I go wrong as a leader, as a mentor, as a trainer? Because generally people, that's where the breakdown is and the failure is, is in that leadership and mentorship and training and not having a training system in place and all yep. of those kinds of things. Because what we think, we have, we forget that we have so much knowledge and experience in our yes. own minds, right? Yes. And that took years to cultivate. That didn't happen overnight. I've been working for not. years old. And, you know, I developed skills along that way. So when you're hiring people, that there's no quick, you know, we, we have to transfer knowledge and we have to teach, but we have to have patience along with that. So I love that you said that about giving grace. Is there, a, yeah. is there something in particular that came to mind, that has come to mind that you've experienced? I would say... I went through one, two, three. I went to three part-time attorneys before I'm on the fourth one that I am now. And I lost my third one three days after my dad died. And I had a and I had to literally, I had no systems in place. I was a true solo. I had no mm-hmm. systems in place as it relates to what to do if I'm not available to do the work nothing. I had to, I found out my dad passed away. I had to draft a letter, uh, email to go out to my entire uh, body of uh, uh, clients and potential clients to let them know that, hey, uh, I'm not available. And I was the only one. And I didn't, I left my practice in limbo on my dad's birthday, sure enough, on January 10th. And I did not return until February 9th. Wow. wow. Because 
Because what people fail to realize, well, I don't know, I won't say fail to realize, but when you have a traumatic experience of that nature, and it's so instant, you know, like it was a tragic uh, accident that he suffered from. It's like your whole world is like, I can't, I can't focus, I can't tolerate, I can't do anything. So I always tell people plan for the unexpected. And that's where the grace level came, because it's like, I can only do what I can do. I can only do what I can do. Mm-hmm. If I cannot do it, it will not get done until the next day. I can only do what I can do. Yeah. You, yeah. You're only one person. And well, I think it's that- It's about giving yourself grace, you know, which I think is really hard for people to oh, do. Oh my gosh, I was freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, I have this in the pipeline. And then two days later, I had I, I shared with her, you know, what happened. And I'm like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you just some stuff to close out for me this week. I'll deal with the rest of the ongoing projects, you know, manage them. Um, because uh, being in IP, it's always the first to file. So I know that un- I understand the priority for my clients and getting their applications filed. And um, most of them were prepped already. So it wouldn't took me, it didn't take me as long, but it was just like, oh my God, I'm by myself. I have to figure this out. And I said, I can only do what I can do. And it sounds, I know there may be a listener right now that's like, oh my God, and of course you don't know what the fa-la-la you talking about, girl. I have <laughs> this, I have to go to court. I have babies. I have a husband. I have a partner. I have a, a sick parent. I have a sick sibling. I have all these things. But again, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, you can only do what you can do. And one thing I learned, and it may sound a little harsh, but the world will still keep turning whether or not you do what you do. It will still go on. It will still keep moving without you doing the thing or with you doing the thing. Right. And that's very humbling experience. There's a couple of, there's, it's kind of a double-edged thing. One, it's a very humbling experience because you're like, well, I guess why do anything, right? You know, like if you think the world's going to, but then the, and the flip side of that though, is that what a relief. Yes. What a relief that you don't carry the burden of the whole entire world on your shoulders. Like you think you do. Right. You know, yes. Like, like I'm not yes. responsible for everything and everybody. And when we draw that boundary and say, you know, I once had somebody say to me, you know, oh, so you can't be human, right? You, can you be human in, in your business, right? Because I, when I was starting this business out, I just felt like I had to be available all the time to people. Mm. And uh, I had, it was, it's hard for me to set boundaries because I tend to put other people's needs above my own. And that was the way I was sort of brought up. And so I had to really do a lot of work Uh to set those boundaries and that it's okay to be human. It's okay if somebody reaches out to you and you say, I I can't, no, I can't. Even though, you know, I'm here to help you. There are limits to such a thing. I agree wholeheartedly. I wanted to just say that you talked about boundaries, but I have boundaries in my firm. So I, as a virtual practice owner, I have a reception service. I use Smith AI. So I don't take un- unannounced phone calls. I don't do it. Mm-hmm. And in my intake form, it says that ALF is a virtual 
uh, firm? And do you understand that they do not take unannounced or unplanned phone calls or Zoom calls? Do you agree to that? Yes or no? Mm, That's good. Yes or no. So I let you know from the beginning that we do not do un because in business, there is no phone call that I can make within an hour that's going to change anything from you. I, 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 I ultimately work with paperwork and bureaucracies. And as I know, trademark the- emergencies, there are no trademark. This is often what I tell people is like, how many practice areas are there where, I mean, like there really is not a true, there's not a true report. Yes. There are very few things that are true emergencies that you can actually jump in and do, right? You know, right. And actually turn the needle and change the direction or something. If someone is utilizing your trademark infringing and you didn't give them permission, I got to draft a letter anyway. I can't draft, I got to get the evidence that they're using it. I have to put it all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to touch on something here and ask you to go into this a little bit deeper, though. So, it is, it is my belief, my philosophy, and you'll hear about it if you, you know, if you hear me talk on the podcast or reading my book. I do. I probably know what you're going to say, but go ahead. Well, is that you, is that the client, if you don't create a process, mm. uh, then right at the beginning and how those clients come to you, how, what their first interaction with you is like, if you don't set boundaries and create that process, they will try to fill in the gaps. And so yes. when you have people who um, are compl- attorneys who are complaining about this client or that client, now certainly there are those who slip through the cracks, right? Of, but, of course. But if you have that, somebody complains about that a lot, it's usually because they haven't set, they didn't take control of the process and, and shore up that client's confidence right from the beginning that they've got this handled. So what happens is if you don't do that, you're not communicating consistently. You don't have a, uh, you don't have rules for communication. All these things. What happens is you have a client who will jump in and go, well, uh, and this is all kind of on a on a energetic level. Like people don't even know consciously, but what's happening is is they'll go, well, this person really doesn't have it all together. I need to step in with my leadership and yep. control the process. And so if you're unhappy, if you're having a lot of clients you're unhappy with. I would take a look at that process. But what I want to ask you about is, um, and, I, and I, 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 there's a good answer to this, and I know you're going to have it, <laughs> is that you talk about, on the one hand, you talk about how you want to think through the experience that your client has with your firm. And then on the other hand, you talk about, I got a rule that says you don't make phone calls, you know, like I don't take unannounced calls, right? So how does that gel? How does that align for you? Because I know that you have thought about your client's experience as well as your own in setting that up. So explain to me how you think that makes for a better client experience. It makes for a better client experience. And this is such a great question because it's like, how can you say you're thinking about your client experience, like you said, when you don't take their calls when they call? Because it doesn't make for a better me. It doesn't make for me as a better practitioner if I'm consistently allowing you to interrupt me because you're not my only client. If you were my only client, Lord forbid, I wouldn't be able to eat. I wouldn't be able to (laughs) afford the tech tools or my team or anything off of one client. No, ma'am. No, sir. No, him. I can't do it. So but just because you're not talking directly to me doesn't mean that communication is not happening. 
And that is how I bridge the gap. There are emails and messages that go out that consistently update the client. Because nine times out of 10, the reason why people are calling you unexpectedly with random questions and blah, 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 because they haven't heard from you. They have no idea where they are in the phase of the process. So shore that up from the beginning and it'll keep down on your calls. And number two, number two, if you know that you want to build out an experience in the client sector, your client experience that doesn't necessarily involve you, do like I did. I hired a client experience manager. Good. I hired a client experience manager and she is doing a wonderful job. What does she do? I'll lay it out for you very briefly. Number one, she follows up with potential leads. She calls um, um, people, uh, my clients, every within 30 days, within the first three days, you're going to get a call from my client experience manager just to make sure your onboarding process is going good. Make sure you know where the communication guide is in your portal. If you have an email, if you have a question, a quick question, you click one button and it'll send us an email. If you want to get on the phone, you click one button and you get to coordinate the day and time that works best for you. you if you say, I don't want to get on the phone, I want to see Nicole Show, I want to ask her some questions, you click one button and you get to coordinate a virtual call. If you, right. put, if you put the tools in place and guide the people, they will use it. And that is how you bridge the gap to create better boundaries for you and set the tone for your clients. It's all about how you curate the experience. It's sort of like when you go to a high-end hotel. It's a curated experience from the moment you arrive at that hotel, whether you know it or not. They are guiding you along the path that they want you to be on until you get, and even when you get in your room, even when you get in your room, it's a guided path on how you can contact housekeeping, room service, whatever, the butler service, concierge service, wherever you stand, because everybody money a little different. So, (laughs) (laughs) so it's one of those things, right? You get to do that in your firm. You get to be the curator, the be our guest. You get to do all of that. And that's the beauty of having your own firm. So I say how to gel it is set the tone and don't just say, oh, you can't reach me, but still have communication things going out. I have update emails going out. I have updated videos. I'm very into video messaging. If you're not a lawyer doing video messaging, this is your cue to start doing video messaging. We live in a world where people are consuming TikToks in less than 10 seconds or less, and their attention span is is gone. So if you send in those long paragraph type emails, you are missing the, the mark when your client, that long paragraph email could probably be broken down into a one minute, two minute video, and you could put captions. And the reason why I say that is because everybody learns and comprehends data totally different. Right. Everybody learns differently. So if you have a, a client who reads, make sure you have transcription service so they can follow along and still put paragraphs under the video message if you need to. But if you have an auditory learner, they can hear your voice and they can comprehend what you're saying 
right? And then if you have a, a user that needs to click and do things, they are clicking the video, they are interacting with it. So you're capturing all the learning styles. So I'm leaning back on my experience when I worked for the, our local school district and I was around teachers all the time and I got to learn how people learn. And, and right. when, you, when you study that and you understand that, you navigate different. Right, right, right. I actually saw on your website uh, something I thought was really clever and I, I liked it a lot is that you had a video, you have a YouTube channel where you create videos, but you had a video embedded in your website mm-hmm. and you were, I don't know if you were sitting in your car, it looks like you were, but you were saying, you're, you're basically saying, you know, the, the number one, you know, you're taking uh, questions from your mm-hmm. prospective clients and clients. And you said, somebody asked me what the best piece of advice was that I ever had. And you gave two or three pieces of advice that you had gotten that you thought were great. And I thought that is such a wonderful thing to have on your website, because in today's environment, people want to feel like they know you personally. Yes. And you, for you to share that personal sort of experience where instead of just answering their questions, well, here's what you need to do if you're thinking of doing a trademark. You went into, you know, here's what's, that's that's a good question because you work with a lot of business owners. I do. And who are always, I mean, you you know this, I know this as entrepreneurs and business owners, we're always looking for some good advice, right? Always, always. So I call it gold nuggets. We're always looking for those gold nuggets everywhere. Yes. Something that's kind of like, oh, an aha moment. And I just thought that was really a great uh, thing that you did on your site because it was so real and it was so authentic and personal. Yes. uh, Without being too personal, you know, I mean, there's a fine line. Do you know what I mean? Yes, like a lot it of people, is. They don't understand like you can be, you can reveal who you are as a person without airing all your dirty laundry. You know, like there's a lot of people. I agree with that. I agree with you because there are, yes, there are some practitioners where I know a little bit too much about what's going on on the other side, but that yeah. I will say there is definitely a fine line with um, managing social media and what to share and what not to share. One of the key things that I do is I try my best to be real and honest and let you know that, hey, I'm having a bad day. And this is the only things that I got to do today. And I sometimes I call it my daily log. When I first reactivated my practice, if you look at some of my feed, it'll say May 9th, 2001. I only got to do this. I only got to do that. Got stressed out, took a nap. Boom. Or closed a, a good client today, closed a great deal today, very excited, sent a client gift. Um, I'm very big on um, a curated hospitality experience and an advisory experience with businesses, because I think that's the missing element with a lot of business law practitioners. You're not, you just, you, it's not just creating the forms or the documents that they need to govern their business. Give them the actual strategy on how to navigate the path for their business that they want. And I think that's the missing element that I provide because of the experiences I had since I was 14, being around business owners, right? I've been around a business. I tell everybody, if your family at a young age starts a business, you got a business. You the employee, you the secretary, you the admin staff, you the financial <laughs> staff, you the you the gopher, you everything. You don't your have parents choice. put you to work when you're <laughs> you are working, honey. But you know, at the time, 
I had to navigate customer experience with other uh, other uh, companies at a young age on how to migrate problems and how to do, you know, at an early age. I'm in high school dealing with our some of our employees and the issues that come with that. And all of this has cultivated an experience on how me, how I navigate right now. How I navigate right now. There's pretty mm-hmm. much nothing that I you can say that is going on in your business that I haven't seen. You don't have any money. You're low on capital. You're you behind on your bills. You have equipment failures. Uh, you had staff walk out on you. You like everybody's sick. Like, like it happens. That is the nature of business. That is the nature of business. One of the things that I have uh, told my clients because I have so many who are really just amazing and they're so inspirational and they build these wonderful businesses, but then this whole great resignation, great reshuffle, uh-huh, the yeah. great quit, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, really threw some for a loop. And I would, you know, I just remind them if you plan on having a business for 10, 20, 30 years, you people are going to come and go. Yep. It's not like, you know, what we remember from, you know, uh, grandparents for a lot of people, parents for others, where you get a job and you stay in that job for a year, working for that company for years, and then you retire and get the gold watch. Now people move every few years so they can advance and get pay raises. So as a business owner, you have to stop letting it take you on this emotional roller coaster every time that happens. And so you get to a point and, and really the only way to sort of overcome that reaction is to just have it happen over and over again. So the universe is like, teaching you, you know, like, okay, you need to be a little tougher because think about you and your experience with the different attorneys that you had, all of that taught you, okay, I'm still going to keep doing what I'm doing. I have Um, to, right? Other people out there, right. Because I got bill, I got a mortgage, right? So that's what I always say. Yes, Lord. (laughs) No matter what's happening around me, I got bills to pay. So I sure do. I sure do. (laughs) And it gets you to think creatively about it does. It does. Uh, uh, Lack of resources is the breeding ground for innovation. So this is when you can come up with your best ideas when you don't have as many resources. Right. So one of the key things that I heard you say, you were like, uh, don't um, when people come and go. But one of the key things as an owner a business owner of any type, whether you're in law, whatever, when you interview people, ask them what their goals are and see how you can help them facilitate that. Be a conduit for the next level because you can set the tone for them in a way to where their leaving won't be as unexpected for you. You will anticipate it at the beginning. And you can ask them, ask them, hey, uh, what do you, what, not that, where do you see yourself in five years, crap? No, just be, talk to people. What do you want to do? I always, I always say, what do you want to be when you grow up? What, what does, what does a perfect day look like? Yeah. Like what, what, learn the interests of people. Like on my team, my, my, my right hand, my operator, he likes marine biology things. In a law firm, he likes marine biology things, right? See right, the difference right. there? How do I know this? Because I open my mouth and I ask, right? Right. Show an interest. You show an interest in people. Yes. And, and actually understand, like he started with my firm and within two weeks he asked, he said, Attorney Anderson, um, my brother is getting married. And I really, I said, great. When is the wedding? I'm going to ship him something. I shipped the gift to his brother. He's only been with my firm for two weeks. It blew his mind. 
But that's the type of cultivation of relationship and the threading that I want people to have when you interact with me. I send cards in the mail. I send um, random, I I, I stalk some of my clients or potential clients because they follow me on social media. I may send you a card that says, I I, I saw you had a bad day. I hope this makes, I hope this little treat brightens it just a little bit. Some people, again, my core pillars, seen, supported, and empowered. That's how I do it. And, 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 and you don't have to have a huge pipeline in order to generate a lot of money to make that happen. You have to make sure people are seen and supported. And that extends so much value. I give away so much. For your clients and prospective clients as well as it does for your team, but it's for your exactly. team. Well, well, my team as well. Where a lot of people don't, you know, look at their team as being as valuable, if not more valuable than your clients. I <laughs> Richard Branson, Richard Branson uh, I wrote a whole book about this, about how he, in Virgin Airlines, he puts team first. He says, they're my number one, not my customers, because without them, this doesn't work. And you yeah. have to learn that at an early, early stage of your business. Your systems and processes are everything. But the people who are pushing the levers are more. Because yeah. you cannot push all the levers in your business. You cannot. You cannot do every little tweak in your business and be successful. If anybody tells you something, oh, I'm a true solo, it's just me, and you are limited. You are limited in some way. I don't know if you may make more money than me and my firm because you may charge more. That's the difference. But your client experience is not mine. Or you uh, you, uh, you feel like, oh, I don't need all that tech stuff. I'm just going to do what I do. You're going to get left behind because the world that we're living in is a world of convenience now. We have apps where we can press two to three buttons and food is at our door. Food is at our door. Which, how does it get any better than that? <laughs> Except for the wine delivery services. <laughs> I mean, they have uh, those too. With, uh, I think it's Drinksy. Drinksy or something is the app or something. I saw that recently. I saw that recently. I thought that was interesting. We're, we don't drink here, but, you know, I just thought what a great concept. Your, what, all the stuff you've been talking about is really about your brand and how, you, how you're different from other mm-hmm. firms because – And I think that's really important for people to hear and understand is that they can create whatever kind of experience they want to create for their clients and do it in whatever way. And that may not be the way you would do it. Right. But it's so important to really be clear on what kind of experience you want your clients to have, because that is that's your brand. And that's what people associate with you. It's like I had this experience or that experience. Um, and that shows up not just in your personal interactions with them, but in all of their interactions with your business. Yep. And I think that's a huge distinction for, for people who are wanting to scale their business and grow a, an actual business is we have to separate the business from the individual. People yep. who have an experience with you as a person is one thing, but what do you want your business what do you want their experience with your business to be? Because it might not always be you. And that I think is part of part of the challenge for a lot of people is how do I translate my core values and express them in this business without it having to be me delivering the goods, right? 
Yeah, I'd say you set the tone early and you always think with the end in mind, right? I always think with the end in mind. So if you were one of my consulting clients, I would always ask you, what does out look like? What does out feel like? When do you know is ready? you're ready to walk out that door? And then I have them describe for me, what does that feel like? How, when do you know? And then we work backwards from there to ensure that the things start getting in place, right? To explain to, what you mean by out. What does out feel like? Tell me, tell me what you mean by that. When I say out, I mean like I'm, I've had clients who say I want to pivot to more speaking engagements. I don't want to be the practitioner in my business. I don't want to be the one pushing the levers. That's an out for them. Like they don't want to shifting out in that next phase or stage of their business. There's some people who actually just want to exit the business. And I said, that's fair enough. What does exit look like? Tell me what is, what is out? When I say out, I mean, you're not doing what you're doing. You're outside of doing what you're doing right now. That's what I mean. That transformation, that trans, when we were going to trans, that moment of transformation, when you know you transformed. Exactly. And some people say, well, I don't really know. Okay, well, tell me what a day feels like where you don't feel, what is a non-stressful day feel like? Oh, well, I wake up and I get my kids or I sit and I drink tea for an hour. I read, I meditate. Okay, but I listen to what they say, but then I listen to what they're not saying. They're not picking up work. They hadn't answered the email. They haven't answered a phone call. So some type of way we got to set up some systems to where that day is a reality, right? They're not the ones pushing the levers. So people will tell you what they want. You just have to listen. And then you go in as the orchestrator or the consultant and you say, hey, you told me the day looks like you having tea for an hour and a half. What time of day is this? Okay, that's a you and, and as the advisor, you're thinking that's a core business hour. What system or tool are we gonna have in place that's going to shore up them not having to answer the phone or an email, a Slack message, or something? Something has to be in place. I call it the Hoover Dam. If you ever been to the Hoover Dam, a long time ago, you they would do a tour and you would see water dripping from the walls, and some people would put gum or whatever to try to, to see if the yeah. water is gonna do the thing. And that's what it's like in your business, right? If you are working on one hole, another one is going to spring. You you can't. So we have to figure out how we're going to plug that next water leak. How are we going to do that in order to make sure your Hoover Dam doesn't explode? Right, right, right. Are you, um, so through your law firm, you really, uh, a lot of the things that you're talking about are not what attorneys would consider legal advice. No, nope, so it's business. Consulting piece yes. comes in, business owners in business advice and outcomes. So it, it takes it a little step beyond that. It does. And, and I think that is one of the key differentiators of my business law practice. And that is what cultivate a learning experience to, to allow the client to achieve whatever goal they have set. It's not my goal is your goal. You tell me, and then we plug up the holes so the Hoover Dam doesn't explode on you. Because in the, in the world of business, it's overwhelming. It is so overwhelming. So much is going on. I got that. And I'm like, no, we're going to calm down a little bit. We're going to calm down a little bit and figure out what you want to focus on. I don't know what I want to focus on. Okay. What's important? What lights you up? What makes you smile? What makes you not be stressed? My kids. 
Okay. What is it? What does that look like? I want to spend more time with my kids. Okay. What are we doing that's preventing you from spending time with your kids? Aha. We, there we go. So now we know what we got to fix. I also, I also ask the question when I'm, when I'm getting people to think about their core values, I ask what pisses you off? Yes. Like, what makes you angry? Because when you know, because well, a lot of times people can tell you negative stuff more than they can tell you the positive things. Because like, it's like something like 85% of our brain is devoted to negative thinking. So something like that. And I always think about what, what, what really grinds my gears. You know, what's the thing that bugs me? Because that tells me what it is, what boundary I have there and what it is that's important to me enough to make me mad if somebody doesn't do it. And sometimes things can come out that way. So uh, I love you talking about tapping into your emotion and how you get that. Cause it's hard with the one disadvantage. I think we have, I love all the social media and all the tech tools and all the things that create such an advantage for business owners now. But I think one disadvantage is, is how difficult it is to drown out the noise and how, and to hear your own thoughts. And I remember when I first started it was after I started my law firm and I had I had I walked away from it, my first law firm, and I really went through a period of personal crisis. And I was getting a lot of advice from a lot of people. And I just made a decision that my inner voice was so weak, I uh-huh. couldn't hear it because I had had so much coming at me for so long uh-huh. and was in such a state of mental fog like you talk about that I had to get really quiet and go deep inside myself to hear yes. what it was that I I wanted or what I could do. And, and it, what did, it wasn't immediate. It was a little tiny, it was like that little tiny blue flame, you know, I hadn't got a chance to get big enough and I get to be a big old orange flame. It was like, I could just feel this little blue flame inside of me that kind of said, okay, I think this is what this I is think. It. Yeah. And then I just was like putting oxygen on that little blue flame to get it to get a little bigger and a little bigger. And, and it evolves yes, like yes. you know, evolves over time. And then you get a lot more clarity. You people often think clarity comes from I gotta be clear before I do the thing. Uh-uh. But you and I both know, uh-uh, you gotta do nope. the thing. And it gives That's you it. when you do the That's thing. That's it. That's that it failure. right there. But it really is it that failure is the thing or that contrast is the thing that gives you the clarity of yep. what the next thing is you want. Like you said, with your five appointments that you, you didn't close that were freebies October, and you're like, oh, yes. no more freebies, people. <laughs> no more freebies. And I think it, it all correlates to understanding what you want and what you don't want. And you can want the sun, moon, and stars if you want it. You can want the sun, moon, and stars. We just have to set a path for you to go to the stars first, the moon first, or the sun. You direct. And enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. Oh, gosh, yes. And have some great snacks along the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That would be a great line to end on, except for I have one more question I wanted to ask you. And that is that you are the podcast, guest podcast queen. I've seen you work in the circuit and getting on a lot of different podcasts. And uh, I've been loving watching your growth and your journey along the way and all that. Can you share? I know a lot of people, a lot of attorneys probably would love to do that, get on uh-huh. guests on podcasts, but they really don't know like what that first step is. They don't know what what to do. And so tell give us a little 
gold nugget or insight into what what inspired you to do this and also how did you go about it? Okay. So um, I have been a connoisseur for podcasts since 2005, 2006, I, early, early when we had to early, use that. that is early. And then by like 2011, I got back into it. I got like really back into podcasting. And then I created a podcast with a, another lady lawyer and it was called Professional Use Only. And it's still up. So if you want to go listen to it. But one thing I learned by doing that is what I didn't want if I was to go on podcasting. And so when you are looking to appear on more podcasts, actually consume the podcast that you want to go on. It was through that, that by creating a podcast, we got pitches and, and people requesting to be on the show with language that didn't even coincide with our audience that didn't coincide to what we were actually, our messaging at all. And mm -hmm. so if you want to be on podcasts, consume the podcast, determine whether or not you can actually add value to the audience and not just, I want to go on the show because I want to go on the show. What value are you going to instill in that audience, right? Because with podcasting, we have so many opportunities to listen. And, and, and if you're not giving value, you're just going up there to sale. Nobody's going to listen to that. Give value. So what value extension are you going to have? That's what be core. What am I going to give to an audience? Then determine the type of audience that I want. Go find the podcast that align with the value in the audience that you have. And then figure out, go on that person's, uh, that podcast website or see if they have an email and genuinely say, hey, I listened to episode 12. I took away this. I really, really enjoyed this from that. And I am blank and I currently serve or assist blank. And I think I can add value to your audience this way. Can you share what the process is to appear? Thank you so much. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful, beautiful. I hope everybody's taking notes on that. We have a transcript, <laughs> so they can copy and paste from the transcript for that. But, but that, that's that's the formula. That's it. Yeah, that's wonderful advice. And because I recently put out a, a podcast episode just a couple of weeks ago on guest podcasting, you did, you did how to be a good <laughs> guest on a podcast, and I was like, tell them yes, yes. Sorry. Well, as Stay a host, I I am just. I am shocked by how many people, and I know what it is. A lot of people hire PR firms they do. to get them spots on podcasts. And I, under, I understand that. And I, I believe me, I'm a huge advocate of outsourcing. But you at least need to be clear with your PR firm that we need to have a game plan here. Of which ones I need to be prepared. I need to listen so I know what I can, you know, what that podcast is about. Because I get them, you know, for dentists, from real estate agents, from people all over, you know, thinking all different kinds of things. I'm like, they've never listened to my podcast. But if you write me and you're like, oh, I listen to your podcast. I love this and that. You know, I'm a fan. Da, da, da. You're going to go. It's going to go a long way with me because I put so much work into the podcast. Yes. Ooh, and that's I hear that it's not just going out into the black void and nobody's listening to it. So I think it's so important if you want to be a guest on the podcast. But I and I think it may be a little addicting because, you know, once you start being a guest on podcasts, you're talking, you're having these conversations. Mm -hmm. It's so fun to have conversations with it is. yourself, you know, where we're having, we're able to talk shop and, you know, share our experiences and just get to know each other better. It's, it's a of great course. way to do it. 
but a lot of work goes into having your own podcast as, as I'm sure you know. Which is oh, yes. And I have, I have some other ideas and things coming down the pike. So I hope your audience follows along on the journey with me. Um, as the podcasting space is definitely a great space to be in. And I value a lot of, a lot of what it brings and the value is so, so important. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. Well, thank you so much for being here. I've enjoyed our conversation as much as I knew I would. And uh, why don't you tell everybody how they can connect with you if they want to do that? You can connect with me on Al Gore's internet uh, by finding me on Instagram. I've spent a good portion of my time there. My IG name is Esquire44. I am on Facebook under my first name and the link will be in the show notes. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, connect with me there. And if you are looking to have some intellectual property or business law questions, um, go to my website, which is andersonlawfl.com. And I have resources there from my blog. You can get connected to my YouTube channel. Um, anything you may need, if you just want to shoot me an email, I respond. I'm, I'm very open. I'm not closed off. No question is a dumb question. And I'll do my best to help you. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. And you are everywhere. You are omnipresent. So <laughs> they should not have any trouble. And you have a very unique name. So yes, I do. Go to Google. <laughs> yes, and you can go Google me and I will come up. I'm the first and only thing. <laughs> thanks so much, of course, for being here. I really enjoyed it. I did too. Thank you for having me. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast. If you have, we invite you to leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. The more five-star reviews we have, the more women law firm owners will be able to positively impact. Your thoughts and opinions are so important to us. If you are a woman law firm owner who wants to scale your law firm to a million dollars or more in gross annual revenue and do it in a way that's sustainable and feels good to you, then we invite you to join us in the Wealthy Woman Lawyer League. The League is a community of highly intelligent, goal-oriented, and driven women law firm owners who are excited to support one another on their journeys to becoming wealthy women lawyers. We'll be sharing so much in the league in the coming year, including the exclusive million dollar law firm framework that until now, I've only shared with my private one-to-one clients. For more information and to join us, go now to www.wealthywomanlawyer.com slash league. That's www.wealthywomanlawyer.com slash league. League is spelled L-E-A-G-U-E. We look forward to seeing you soon in the league.